Alrighty, welcome to episode 17 of Flip the Record. We got the first edition of a special two-parter here. What's going on, Joe? Good to be back. Good to be doing Led Zeppelin this week. Very, very excited for this. Uh, this has been one of my favorite bands for a long time, one of my dad's favorite bands for a long time. Uh, these guys are legends, and I mentioned it last week. They maybe don't get put in the same stratosphere as the Stones and the Beatles, but, I mean... I would say Paige especially on guitar is so influential to the development of like hard rock and let's call it 70s heavy metal. Um, these guys just rock They're like end to end and uh, looking forward to getting a few or a few albums in today. So let's get to it. Yeah. So, you know, what's funny with Led Zeppelin is my dad would play them every now and then. Like I know he had a couple of CDs, but he, he w- it wasn't like one of his favorite bands, but he definitely like he was a fan of them. So I heard songs growing up, but I never really like dog looked into them on my own other than like, you know, like whole lot of love might come on on the radio every now and then or ramble on maybe or immigrant song. So it was fun going through their catalog for the first time and kind of like discovering them, even even right. though they've been around since the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Uh, and I guess my my first impression of like someone who wasn't really familiar with them was like, wow, this sounds so different from what else was out there at the time. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of a few bands that kind of sounds like this around this time. It's a it's a mix between this like bluesy hard rock, and kind of this trippy psychedelic folky stuff, um, that you don't see a lot of other bands do even nowadays. Uh, it's so fucking cool. Yeah, but they do a couple things that I think makes them like different than any other band. Uh, in the first being they they do a lot of like changes within the within each song. Where first of all. The songs on, on a whole are like, they're long. They're like five, yeah, six, yeah, yeah. seven minute songs. Some of them even longer. Yeah, Stairway to Heaven sticks out to me at eight. Yeah. yeah. And there's a couple that even get to 10. But what they do is like for a lot of those songs that are like five, six minutes, like especially on the earlier albums, like midway through the song, they just kind of take a break and do like a minute, minute and a half, two minute instrumental. And then they change up the sound a little bit and it, and it rules. Yeah, there's a couple songs that stick out to me like that. Like, we'll talk about these today, but Moby Dick is one of those. Stairway to Heaven has a feel like that. Um, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, same kind of thing. It's it's really, really cool. Um, one other thing I noticed just as I was listening again today to finish up a little bit, a lot of these songs, and this is maybe unusual for any artist, a lot of these songs don't mention the name in the song. <laughs> well, so they I, I uh, read a, an interview with, uh, I think it was either plant or page one of the two it must have been plant and he was saying like they intentionally did that sometimes where they would just make the song name like something totally random yeah. like uh black dog yeah yeah oh, there's another one from that same album when we get to it i'll i'll bring We're it talking up about it yeah yeah and some artists just do that because it, it is kind of sometimes it's fun you know just to make something up like random. sure goofy <laughs> cash out nah, well <laughs> yeah um but anyways before we get into zeppelin today a couple things um did you see what happened to ed sheeran this weekend Dude, that video was sweet. That was electric. We talked about it before, I think, where I, we were talking about the Kendrick, and he brought out J. Cole, and then didn't J. Cole bring out Kendrick the next night or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, Ed Sheeran bringing out Eminem was not the, the crossover I was seeing this weekend. Well, it was cool shit. in Detroit, too. And right, right. Our, our friend, we'll have to ask Pat when uh, when we see him how, yeah, how see that him was. Yet. But the, the video I saw was, like, the crowd was going oh, crazy. Going crazy. I mean, how could you not be, though? Like, we are home. someone, like, as big as Eminem comes in, uh, you know, the hometown crowd. 
I think you could only do that in Detroit. Like, obviously, like Eminem hits everywhere, but doesn't hit the same, and especially in an Ed Sheeran crowd. <laughs> like, sure, sure. They're not exactly breaking down the real Slim Shade hit the Eminem or the Ed Sheeran show, you know. Um, but it, no, that was a really cool moment for them, and good on them for making that happen. That's like that's the price of admission right there. When you're at the concert like that too, and Ed Sheeran starts playing "Lose Yourself" on the guitar, like you kind of in the back of your head, you're like, oh, like he's only playing this for. You know, one of two reasons. One, to pay homage to Eminem because he's in Detroit. But is he going to bring him out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to do it, right? Yeah. Right? No, no way Eminem's around tonight. <laughs> and uh, then he comes out, you know. <laughs> yeah. It lights the crowd on fire. Yeah. That was sweet. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, second thing I just wanted to bring up quickly. I was talking with Joey earlier. I'm just getting back from Faster Horses this weekend. Uh Good shows out there. Second time I've seen Luke Bryan. He played Friday night out there. Luke Bryan kicked ass. He's, I always forget how many bangers he's got. He's a he's a what I will, I'll call him a crowd pleaser mu- musician. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. It's it's super like pop country type deal. Um, and I don't like like he's not necessarily one of my top five country artists, but it, undeniable. Like when he get out gets out there and just plays song after song after song you've heard, it's like, damn. And he played for two hours. Yeah. So, yeah. And with his stuff, too, like some of the newer stuff that's on the radio, it's just uh, you've heard it for so many years. It just kind of sounds like repetitive. But his old like his f- hits from his first, I don't know, however many albums are they always play. Yeah. Uh, I texted you Friday night when it was happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. After one or two beers, um, <laughs> he he played bits of uh, Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. And then he played uh, the Metallica song. I think I texted it to you, but, you know. A fuzzy memory there. Yes. <laughs> sad but true. Sad sweet but emotion. True. Yep. Sad but true and sweet emotion. Sweet emotion hit. Uh, he did the little, like, the chorus bit and then just moved on. Um, sad but true. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. That makes sense. It, it's it, it's a pretty distinct, like, chord uh, lineup. But if you're not a Metallica fan, you just had no fucking clue. It's not exactly like Enter Sandman. <laughs> um, but anyways, that was pretty cool. Saturday, Zach Brown came out. Again, I thought he was good. Not my favorite artist of all time, but I thought he was good. Um, he played Layla by Clapton. Oh, okay. And then he played Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> That's cool. Weird mix-ins, especially. Like, Layla makes sense for Zach Brown a little bit. Sabotage, not even a little bit. Yeah, that's a stretch. But when you're playing Faster Horses, you got to do something to get the crowd going. Especially, again, Zach Brown Band has a bit of like a almost like beachy kind of relaxed old people vibe to it. Um, so yeah, sabotage got the people going. Yeah, I bet. But, uh, and then Sunday Shania Twain, I told you I didn't even stay. So hope that went well. Didn't hear great things, but yeah. And then I've got one thing real quick. Uh, we did painting with the twist on Saturday and <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I won't get in that part of it, but, uh, the person doing like the painting, she, she was in control of like the playlist or whatever. And she put on some shuffle and she's like, oh, I hope everyone likes this. I, you know, I haven't done this one yet. Okay. And a couple songs in, uh, take it off. Kesha comes on <laughs> and the way, you know, I'm facing, I'm facing this way and the table behind me, it's like a, a group. They're going out for like someone's 40th birthday party. And this one guy just goes, Oh, is this Kesha? Like what a throwback. <laughs> and I, for a second, I thought about turning around and just spitting like some random factoid, like, Oh, <laughs> did you know this? And like, <laughs> actually, yeah, uh, actually, uh, this was her seventh best song, selling 3.2 million copies. Like, just hit Did him with some. Did you know she rant. spent thousands of dollars in 2011 on glitter? <laughs> yeah, 
It's like uh, it's just funny doing the podcast every now and then. Like if something comes up like that in the wild, like if he was next to me, I might have said something. But because I, I wasn't even looking at him and I just heard it, like I just laughed. Dude, I'll occasionally find myself talking to random people that I would just meet going out and doing things. And we'll get into a music conversation. And all of a sudden, I'm just doing the podcast, like talking <laughs> to some dude. And I'm, I'm like, I'm getting way too deep into it sometimes when we do bring artists that uh, that we've already covered. And then they're like, oh, damn, that's crazy, dude. They're like, yeah, no, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> whatever. But uh, all right, Zeppelin then, yeah. Yeah, let me uh, let me let me hit hit you with some fun facts here, or maybe not fun facts, just accolades. So Led Zeppelin was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1995 and the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2006. Uh, among the band's awards are American Music Award in 2005, Polar Music Prize 2006, uh, Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2005, and four of their recordings have been inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame. They've been awarded five diamond albums as well as 14 multi-platinum, you know, some of those being like the compilations and remasters and all that, four platinum and one gold album in the United States, Uh, while in the UK they have five multi-platinum, six platinum, one gold, and four silver albums. And in 2004, they were named as the 14th greatest artist of all time by the Rolling Stone. Also, 14th? Yeah. Fucking. How? They redid the list in uh, like 10 years later, and I think they actually got pushed back quite a bit. But oh. they're also one-time Grammy winner. Because like, I, I don't think the Grammy – I don't know when the Grammy started. But, yeah, no clue. Uh, yeah, one-time Grammy winner. That's another thing that's kind of gone to the wayside, huh? Who gives a fuck about the Grammys anymore? Dude, I used to care when I was younger. Just Yeah, absolutely. It was always like if, – if it was going on, it would be on TV at my house. Yeah, because it was like, uh, especially when I was like, oh, I like if, if some of my favorite artists were nominated for something, I'm like, oh, I hope they win. Like, maybe I'll tune in. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not going to sit and watch the whole thing, but yeah, I'll just, catch the rock section or whatever and kind of yeah, move on with my catch life. a couple live performances. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, who, yeah, nobody watches that shit anymore. It's wild. But, uh, anyways, yeah, Zeppelin 14, that's, that's rough. But, and one thing, and we'll talk about this probably on the next episode a lot more, very cut short. Their last album is 1982. Their first two albums are both in 1969. So that's a 13-year stretch, nine albums. Cut desperately short by John Bonham's passing. Um, I don't want to get too much into it today, but just imagine the fucking terror these guys would have gone on if they had, say they last to like the 2000s, you know? like Right. So if you, if you want to give them some grief for that, that just is what it is. And the band just basically decided to stop playing when John died. But um, they actually, well, never mind, I'll save that, but. Um, yeah, so let's get right into Zeppelin 1. So these yeah. first four albums, Zeppelin 1, Zeppelin 2, Zeppelin 3, Zeppelin 4. Yeah, so Zeppelin 1 came out in 1969, sold over 10 million copies. And uh, fun fact, they recorded this album in just 30 hours using leftover studio time from the Yardbirds. Okay. Do you want to hit yeah, on yeah, that yeah, real I'm quick? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So Zeppelin's kind of origins are in this band called the Yardbirds. It starts off with uh, it's Jeff Beck and it's Jimmy Page and a few other guys. Um, they're starting as the Yardbirds in like the mid '60s, doing their thing. After a little while, they decide to switch up the group. A couple guys leave. They bring in Keith Moon from the Who, he's the lead singer for the Who. Uh, bring in a few other guys, still doing the Yardbirds. After a while, that kind of breaks up. Uh, well, it doesn't break up. They they're starting to switch in the Zeppelin guys now. So after a little while of doing it with Keith Moon and them. Uh, I think they first brought on Robert Plant on vocals. I think that was the first one. Um, and then slowly but surely, they're adding uh, John Bonham and John Paul Jones. Um, and they get to this point in the late 60s where 
um, Keith Moon and this other guy from uh, the Ark Birds are kind of like pissed at them for moving on and doing their thing. And they get into this kind of argument. Um, and Keith Moon basically looks at him and he's like, you guys, you're not going anywhere with this lineup. This isn't going to work. You guys are going to rise like a Led Zeppelin or Led Balloon is what he says. Um, joking that they have no chance in hell. And that's where they get the that's where they get the name Led Zeppelin. Oh, I didn't know that. I was wondering where they got the name. Yeah, yeah. So after they were the Yardbirds for a little while, they went as the New Yardbirds. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a terrible name. Terrible <laughs> name. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's where the inspiration for Led Zeppelin comes from. It they dropped the A from Led just as kind of like uh, I don't know, a little funny thing to them, I guess, inside joke probably. Um, so it's LED Zeppelin. Um, and that brings us up to 1969, Zeppelin 1. Yeah, so real quick, do you want to guess? I told you they recorded this album in 30 hours. Do you want to guess how much that cost to make? 30 hours in 1968, 69. I'm going to guess this cost like 10 grand. 1,782 euros. Oh, that's basically like $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. No, that's pretty crazy, though. That's almost nothing for to like record a full-length album. Sold 10 million copies worldwide. Yeah, this album rocks. And so of the four Zeppelin al- first Zeppelin albums, I think it's uh, pretty well agreed that this isn't their best of these first four, but it still rocks. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's get into it. Um, they kick off Zeppelin 1 here with Good Times, Bad Times. Up tempo, like really hard hitting guitar, um, but it's in this kind of like mid tune, just chunky chords throughout. Um, plants going crazy on the vocals in in the chorus and like bringing good energy throughout. Anyhow, uh, just a really really good way to kick this album off. Yeah, so this is a song about manhood, and to kick off this episode and, and this album right here, let me give you a quote uh, from Rolling Stone actually on Zeppelin One. Jimmy Page's guitar pounces from the speakers, fat with menace. John Bonham's kick drum swings with anvil force. Robert Plant rambles on about the perils of manhood. Hard rock would never be the same. Yeah, I mean, that's very melodramatic, but I mean, yeah, like I mentioned, these guys set the tone for a lot of rock artists after them and even contemporaries. So uh, no doubt this song kicks ass. This album kicks ass. Um, Anything else there, Joey? Nope. All right. So then the next song very different from the first song babe i'm gonna leave you this one is kind of slow um they've they've cleaned up the guitar a little bit page's guitar is like piercing instead of these like hard chords it's these kind of drawn out uh ringing notes throughout um it's got this like sad almost melancholy vibe but like really high like tension there's a lot of tension in this song um and robert plants on vocals here is phenomenal Mm-hmm. I uh, told a side note, but I walked into a bar one time. They were doing karaoke. And I, as I was walking in, I saw a guy doing this song on karaoke. Wild choice. Absolute mad decision. <laughs> I, I like when I think karaoke, I think easy sing along, almost like campfirey tunes. Babe, I'm going to leave you. You must be. You got to be an absolute fiend to pull that off. Otherwise, you are falling on your face. And it was surely a train wreck. And also, uh. Lyrically, this song isn't long, but like there's a this song is long. Yeah, this is another five, six minute song. 
and there's not much to say in it. They there's a lot of like uh, solo sections in between verses. Yeah, and it's kind of alternating, like you said. It's going back and forth between like this like tender kind of soft stuff, and then like the harder rock kicks in. And right, yeah. right. And it's I don't know if it's so much harder rock as they just really really up the tempo. That sure. like, he'll do these like long drawn out uh, like strummy notes, not strummy, but just like drawn out notes, and then he'll hit you with like a hard fast strummy like chords, and then just hard right back into the soft stuff and up and down. That's the whole song. Yeah, and this is about a man who loves a woman but has an urge to leave because, uh, quote-unquote, it is calling him away. And the lyrics in the song is kind of vague about what it is, whether it's the road, adventure, uh, home, maybe he's restless, whatever it is. It's kind of vague, but uh, really good song. Yeah, no doubt. Two for two here. Uh, after that, now this is a – it's not weird, but it struck me. So this next song is You Shook Me. Um, yeah. This struck me immediately as I listened to it. Like, the there's the line, like, right in the opening, and it's the same line as You Shook Me All Night Long in ACDC. Yeah. It, the way he's just singing, You Shook Me All Night Long. But yeah, it's in a that. super, super bluesy song. Um, cool, like, harmonica throughout. Um, kind of a slower pace, uh, but really good work on the vocals again. Really good work on the guitar again. Just a really solid deep cut from this album. Yeah, so I got a couple tidbits on this one uh one this this was a song that had previously been recorded by muddy waters mm-hmm. um well the song was originally written by willie dixon and jb lenore the first version of it was recorded by muddy waters because dixon was his bass player uh so i guess this is the first song of several where zeppelin is uh gets accused of stealing tidbits of songs or lyrics or riffs or whatever uh, some of them valid, some of them not, and maybe we can maybe we can debate that a little bit later. But <laughs> I don't hate that. Yeah, because I I actually do. I want to talk about that, but just not on this song. Yeah. There's one that comes to mind that yeah, I, yeah. I think is is worth talking about more than others. Yeah. Um. But anyway, Muddy Waters said about getting the Led Zeppelin treatment. He said, I, I feel good. Sure, I like it. I love it. I wish someone would call my name 50 million times a day. The more you call, the more people are going to hear. That don't bother me. So That's a cool way of putting it. I'll, yeah. s- I'll save my commentary for later when we get to it, but uh, it's cool to have that attitude about it. Yeah, there's an amazing solo from uh, Paige in this song, too. Oh, dude, he fucking rocks on this song. <laughs> even like, I just, I even love the little intro section. Like, the harmonica is hitting hard, like, right off the top of this song. But even that just, like, kind of slow, chunky blues playing in the early is so, like, I don't know. It's just audibly pleasing. Yeah, and this was uh, one of the first songs, or maybe the first, that used Paige's, like, backward echo technique. Do you, do you read about that at all? I just kind of know of the very little bit about it. So I don't, I don't claim to know how, like, I don't know the insides and outs, but I, I did note it down here. So it's a production technique which involved hearing the echo before the main sound instead of after it. Um, so basically on this song, he told the engineer that he wanted to use backwards echo on the end. He's the engineer is like, Jimmy, it can't be done. He said, yes, it can. I've already done it. Then they began arguing. So Jimmy page said, look, I'm the producer. I'm going to tell you what to do and just do it. So he ended up doing what uh, page told him. And then they were, they were, uh, finished. He started to push the fader up so he could hear the final result. And then he's, uh, he used yelling at the guy. He's like, push, push the, you know, bloody fader up. Uh, and then the effect ended up working out, working perfectly. Yeah, that's a funny thing about this. Uh, one note I had just kind of overall in general. So Plant and Page pretty much do all the work for putting everything together. Aside from the producing, for the most part, they do all the songwriting and like music writing. 
Um, so that kind of even just like like in my brain makes sense that he would be like, of course I know how to do this. I can produce. I'll, I'll fucking rip guitar. I'll do whatever you want. I'll get behind the drum kit. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Page is a savant, man. Um, so that's cool. I like that. Um, next song, Dazed and Confused. Kind of back into the slower range, but what's cool about these slow songs is it gives Plant a chance to shine, and he yeah. kills it again. He's got a really unique voice. Yeah, and he, he can do like his he can do, low, diff- he can do different styles. His low range and his high range are excellent, for sure. Um, but yeah, Dazed and Confused it kicks right off with with Plant kind of like not screaming but almost yelling into the mic. Um, way up in his high range. Uh, and then it's just this like slow power chords all the way through this, um, kind of whining away from each other. Another just classic, classic Zeppelin track. Yeah, so I'll get into what it's about in a minute, but this is another one that had some, you know, discussion on where they ended up getting the song from. So this was based on an acoustic song with the same title that Jimmy Page heard folk singer James, or sorry, Jake Holmes perform. Uh, when Page was a member of the Yardbirds, they played on the same bill with Holmes at this place in New York City. Holmes' version contains a lot of the same elements that ended up in the Zeppelin version, uh, walking bass line, paranoid lyrics, and an overall like spooky kind of sound. Yeah. And uh, you know, Holmes ended up saying, we were on the same bill with the Yardbirds. We performed it there and blew the place apart with that song, and that's when Jimmy Page saw it. From what I gather from the Yardbirds, Page sent somebody out to get my album. He did a great <laughs> job, but he certainly ripped me off. <laughs> so... Zeppelin's version was not credited to Jake Holmes at first as Jimmy Page was like, I changed enough of the melody and add enough new lyrics to escape a plagiarism mm-hmm, lawsuit. That's mm-hmm. what he said. And uh, in 2010, yeah. so this comes out in 1969. In 2010, Holmes finally decides, oh, you know what? I'm going to press you know charges against him for this. So he alleges copyright infringement and ends up settling in in 2012 so then the songwriting credit was changed to jimmy page inspired by jake holmes <laughs> what a pussy that's the same thing about the, the nirvana kid suing nirvana in like 2017 or whatever it was for being on the album cover what a total pussy well if i it's just if if you're gonna do it like do it yeah why, you know, why, why wait until 2010 that's 41 years yeah what are you doing yeah but i don't know whatever Great track, though. But yeah, let me. I, I, I do want to talk about the song, too. So, yeah. Been days and confused for so long. It's not true. Wanted a woman, never bargained for you. Take it easy, baby. Let them say what they will. Tongue wags so much when I sent you the bill. So, some people thought this song was originally about like a bad acid trip, but uh, Holmes and, and Paige say that the lyrics are more along the lines of like the effect of a girl's indecision on ending a relationship. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I got there. Um, Oh, the drug innuendo wouldn't shock me. These guys were no, uh, they were no choir boys. Let's <laughs> say that. Notorious for trashing hotel rooms everywhere they went. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, cool, cool track. So then it gets into side two, which I don't, do you want to talk about how they do like, there's like different, you know, side one and side two of, of most of the first couple albums? I actually didn't look into that. So talk to me. You got something? Uh, well, it's just the way that it was it was parsed out on the site I grabbed it from. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I I guess like the sound kind of changes up a little bit after, for some of the albums like the first four songs compared to like the the next four, or first five or you know whatever it is. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I mean, when you're when you're in this spot where you're gonna put a, a certain collection of tracks and 
if it's not going to run all the way through, yeah, you would. W- I guess you would kind of want one side to sound the same, the other side to sound. If you're going to do something different, the other side sounds different, but the same for all those songs. So that's cool. So, so I'm assuming side one is just these first four then. Yeah. 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 Gotcha, yeah gotcha. So side two opens up with "Your Time Is Gonna Come," which is a fire song. Okay. I didn't love this one as much, but there's a lot of cool things going on here. Well, it's the song starts off where it sounds like the first minute. It sounds like there's like ch- you know like church organs. I had like gospely. Yeah. It's got like a almost gospel kind of like folky. I don't know how to quite put it, but it, it's that chorus section where Plant is singing "Your Time Is Gonna Come." And he's, I think he's basically just overdubbing himself on the mic. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got three or four recordings of him singing that uh, that chorus. And you can hear, like, the different voices throughout, but I think it's all plant. Gotcha. And, yeah, also on this song, there's electric and acoustic guitar. I had something like that as well. There's some cool, like, different breakups here. There's good keyboard on this song. Um, good energy here. Really good track. Yeah, and the song is just about, you know, someone, you know, cheating on you and, hey, your time's going to come eventually. We're coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good song there. Uh, next up, we have Black Mountainside Instrumental. Yeah, so they got a few instrumentals on these first four. Uh, of the instrumentals, this maybe is my least favorite, but it's not bad. It's just whatever, kind of forgettable. It's nice, but it's not. There's other instrumentals later on that I would go back to and listen to. This one's just fine. Yeah, I, I think it's good. It was inspired by an Irish folk song. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's it's more on the folky side, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like this quick, plucky acoustic thing. Um, you could hear, like, hand drums or bongos a little bit in the background. Um, like you said, it's cool. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so next song is Communication Breakdown. This is one of those songs you know as soon as it starts. Another Zeppelin track. The, the first couple notes when they hit the... Uh, the energy here is so high, so good. Z- plant screaming into the mic during the chorus. Page ripping away on guitar. Um, go back to that like bluesy feel, but real, real up-tempo bluesy. Really, really good track here. Yeah, not one of my favorites per se in their catalog, but it's still good. Yeah, no, I just, I think this is one of Page's, or not Page's, sorry, this is one of Plant's best songs. This, this might be a second best song on this album, just from a uh, vocal perspective. Gotcha. Just, he, he rips it. But, yeah, no, I, I really like this track, but, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, and then getting more uh, back to kind of the bluesy sound, I Can't Quit You, Baby. Yeah, slows down here a little bit. Um, I kind of thought Plant got drowned out a little bit, which is fine because Paige is so fucking good on guitar. They do that sometimes, too. Yeah, it just is what it is. Um, really cool blues track here. The energy's not too crazy. Like you said, it's kind of slower, but still like it a lot. Yeah, so this one was written by Willie Dixon and recorded by Chicago blues artist Otis Rush in 1956. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and this this song is about an affair, again, kind of. Yeah, that's what I got out of this one, too. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, next song is How Many More Times? Last song on the album. The guitar slams into this song. Again, with the hard, fast like chords right into the top. Super, super bluesy. Um, it's kind of got this like choppy, chugging along pace to it a little bit once he settles down a little bit. Um, and there's some really sick solos in this song. Again, I, th- I thought Plant got a little bit knocked out of this one. Uh, but off the first album, like I'll give him a pass. You know, like the rest of it's just so fucking good. Yeah, I've got a couple of fun facts on this one. So this 
this was obviously the last song on the first album. It was listed as three minutes and 30 seconds on the album, <laughs> even though it's actually eight minutes and 28 seconds. So uh, Jimmy Page did this to promote radio play. Yeah. He knew that the radio would never play a song over eight minutes. That's so awesome. he wrote the track time as three and a half minutes so that it would get some radio play. Oh, it's awesome. Which is hilarious. Could you imagine being like the radio DJ back in the you know late 60s, early 70s? Like, all right, I'm going to play this. And then <laughs> it says three minutes. You're like, what the heck? We're coming up on minute eight. Yeah. Just get like five minutes into the song. We're going to commercial break, guys. Be right back. You finish like last three minutes after the commercial break. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's crazy. And then another one. This is one of three songs in the catalog uh, where Jimmy Page played the guitar with a violin bow. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, so the other, and I didn't mention it on the other one, but Days and Confuse and, and then In the Light, which is from a later Zeppelin album. Yeah, there's another one on Zeppelin 3 that kind of sounds like they did something really, really weird to it. Hats off to Roy Harper. Um, that's what I was expecting you to say, but yeah, no, that's it's pretty fucking cool. He does cool stuff. He, you ever seen him play the double? Uh, no, I read about it when I was reading up on it, but I, I do want to check that out. Oh, dude, he's like... It, it, like we mentioned it before on another episode, but that's such a wild instrument to have two guitars <laughs> in your hand at the same time. Dude, not only that, it's heavy. Like It's heavy as fuck. One electric guitar is, is heavy enough. Like 30, 40 pounds, something like that. No, no, not that heavy. But it's when it when it's wrapped around your shoulder or whatever and you're playing, like to have another one though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. No, nah, but it, but you can do some you can do just the most insane shit on that. Like when you get to Cashmere, I think is one of the the double guitar songs that they'll play and it's so fucking cool to watch, dude. Actually, yeah. what's crazy is like they have a lot and a lot of like live video recordings from their stuff. Like they just did a great job and they were touring of capturing everything. That's cool. So you could like they've sold a, a jillion of like live recordings at wherever, you know, like you could just go back and watch a ton of them playing, which is really, really cool. Yeah, dude, I, I looked up. I don't know where else I'm going to slide this fun fact in. So I was looking up. Uh, I don't remember what I was reading, but it listed out the net worth of uh, Plant, Page, and John Paul Jones. Why do I feel like I'm about to be disappointed? You want to get? You want to guess? Okay, uh, I'm gonna say Page is net worth. Let me go like fifty million. Oh no, you're you're too low. I'm too low. Yeah. See, that was my disappointing number. So now, okay, hundred million. Okay, so. So Page and John John Paul Jones. They were either both 120, or one of them was 120, and one was like 130, 140. Nice. And then Plant was 180, but he has a lot of solo stuff too. Yeah, he did a lot of work after Zeppelin too, so that makes sense. But it's crazy though because it's those are that's three guys, and I don't know what you know what John Bonham's family gets from from royalties or whatnot, but that's a lot split between a couple guys. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking money. <laughs> But also, Taylor Swift just made that in, like, one night last weekend. So, I don't know, man. <laughs> Bro, the – what – it was – I don't know what uh, – it was in like, – the Fed was saying that Taylor Swift was boosting the economy with her tour, bro. What? Yeah, they mentioned it in – I don't know who it was for for some, like, high-up government position where they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the economy's seen a little bit of a boost. Like, Taylor Swift's really boosting the economy with, uh, you know, her era's tour doing this – much in in tourism and all this and are you <laughs> sure this wasn't snl no bro i read it today on cnbc oh my god you can't say that if you're a government official you just can't have that taken public let me uh yeah, let me yeah, see yeah. if i can find it real quick but you know what i mean like that's an app like you could make that joke around the office like oh man look at this taylor swift boosting up economies around the country 
You cannot put that take on CNBC. You just can't. But anyways. Well, okay, so here's the headline. Taylor Swift era's tour is actually boosting the economy, says Federal Reserve. The Fed? Oh, my God. I mean, it, it may or may not be true, but, like, come on. That's such, like, that's a meme. I know. They won't give me a, a name on, like, one individual. It said in its most recent beige book and economic report published eight times a year, the Federal Reserve noted a major uptick in hotel revenue in Philadelphia in May and largely credited it to an influx of guests for the Taylor Swift concerts in the city. <laughs> I There's some other stuff in here, too, but, yeah. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so... Kind of crazy, Zeppelin 2 also comes out in 1969. Yeah, and so they recorded this whole album while they were on tour for Zeppelin 1. Oh, I didn't know that. The whole album. I Let me pull it up on... Apple Music has a good breakdown of like the things that happened while they were doing this. Uh, Zeppelin 2. Let's see. It just starts off. All right. 13 studios, 5 cities, 3 countries to record this album. Wow. And a lot of this stuff was just done like before shows uh in hotel hallways hotel ballrooms like wherever they could fucking find space to put this stuff to like set up and go um which is even more crazy to me considering how like this album rocks even more than the first one in my opinion yeah they did more of like the hard rock stuff here than the first album it's not as kind of like you don't get a lot of that trippy stuff kind of like um i mean there's not like a day's confused on this album. It's more just solid, like hard blues. Um, but it rocks, man. And back to like one year, maybe the best year. I don't know. Two I'm, two albums in a year is pretty. 1969 pretty to have these two albums in 1969. That's that would be tough to beat by anybody. Yeah, we we if we do this podcast for another couple, you know, year or two or whatever, it'd be curious. I'd be curious to see how many other artists we come across that even release two albums in one year. Yeah, where both of them are good. I feel like most of the time, like sometimes, like rappers will do it where they have like so many extra songs they just put out an extra one. And, yeah, and it's not technically like sometimes it's not even an album. It's like their mixtape or you know whatever. But I feel like more often than not, if someone releases two albums, like one of them sucks. No, hundred percent. Uh, Chili Peppers just did that. Their second. Oh yeah, yeah. The they second, did that, the second, last those, year. Yeah, the first album wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good, but wasn't that bad. The second album was dog shit, and it was super long too. <laughs> but uh, anyways, no, there's not a single track on this album I don't. There's not a single track on this album I don't like. And so I guess let's just kick right into it. Whole lot of love to start it off. Same kind of thing as the first song on the last album. Just really high energy. Great work from Plant here on the vocals, getting like. Even getting like low into his range, even as the energy is kicking up through the chorus, he kind of like starts high and gets low as he goes, whole lot of love, whole lot of love. And uh, I mean, just classic great work from Paige again here. Um, just a great way to start this album. Yeah. So some of the lyrics were borrowed from uh, another Willie Dixon penned Mud- Muddy Waters track, You Need Love. Uh, this song, obviously. You know, it's about sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big sex guys. But, yeah, uh, yeah. so Plant openly admitted to, you know, borrowing from Dixon's lyrics. And he said, uh, Jimmy Page's riff was Jimmy Page's riff. It was there before anything else. I just thought, well, what am I going to sing? That was it, a Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, now happily paid for. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, which is kind of funny. Like, that's... Uh, 
uh, I, I guess too, cut him a little bit of slack, right? Putting out your second album in a year, and yeah, he's like, yeah, "Wow, yeah. I, I got this awesome guitar riff. Like, I need to come up with some lyrics for this." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't just pull an Oasis and just like fucking word salad over the top of it, <laughs> right? So <laughs> pretty cool. And then yeah, I got uh, let's see, what is and what should never be. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. A little softer, kind of slower here. Not super slow, slower. Um, but the energy picks up in the in the choruses. Plants doing this like trippy kind of. I don't know, like you hear plant echoing into the mic on this one a little bit, or it sounds like an echo at least. Um, but it's cool work there. Um, and it's just got this like catchy riff to it, kind of throughout. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just like again, audi- audibly pleasing here. I do like the song. Uh, mixed interpretations on the lyrics, even though in the book Hammer the Gods, the Led Zeppelin saga, they were saying Plant wrote the lyric reflecting on his affair with his wife's younger sister. Yo. Which is which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but yeah, some of the lyrics from this song. And if you say to me tomorrow, oh, what fun it w- all would be, then what's to stop us, pretty baby? But what is and what should never be? So that, I mean, that lyric kind of plays into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right there with it. Got it. Yeah. And then... Uh, so on one of the, the lyric sites I, I usually check out, yeah, people yeah. will like comment on like what they think the lyrics are. And someone pointed out with five seconds left in the song, if you turn the volume like all the way to like max and like put it closely, like you can hear him like whispering like "I want you," which is just kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, but it, it fits the song. Put that in the weirdo category. But yeah, I mean, people online say this song is either about the band's fame, girls, the affair. I think it's I think it's probably the affair if that was in the the Zeppelin book. Yeah, let me see if I can. Oh, I can't like, you can't skip ahead from like twenty seconds to five seconds. It's just not how that works. It's an Apple Music problem. <laughs> <laughs> Skip ahead. Yeah, there he does. Go. Look at that. Just kind of echoes out, almost like, uh, almost like he's like walking away from the mic. <laughs> You like when songs do that, you know the songs that like just kind of fade out of their own, like, out of themselves. They don't really end; they just kind of fade out. Do you know what I mean? Like, wh- like what's an example? Uh, Hotel California is a good example where it like you hear them playing, but the volume just fades down to zero before they finish, and it just. Oh, I don't mind that. I was never a big fan, to be honest. Like, I get it. Like, some songs just don't have like a great way to close, um, and so that feels like a natural like way to just like throw it out there and be done. I never really liked that. Like I, that section at the end of Hotel California, he's got that long ass solo at the end. I'd love to know what the end of that sounds like. Never will. Well, I could, I'm sure I could find it, but like you know, you get my point. Like I don't know. It just feels like a uh, cat, like a cop out. No, I don't mind that. What pisses me off, and we'll talk about this in two weeks when we do Mac Miller Part One, is and it's more prevalent in like rap. But after like the the song part ends, and then it'll cut to like an interlude of someone talking, like, and it. It's fine if it's like Kendrick Lamar doing like his poem at the end of. I was just Butterfly. about like, to tell you that's awesome, but like there's like a couple of Mac Miller songs where it just ends and then he's just like, and then it goes to literally like sex sounds or like him saying something stupid like "Oh, bitch," like it's like that. <laughs> that is just like no, the song is over. <laughs> you just, I don't know what it is. You just don't like these guys fucking around in the studio <laughs> on, on the songs. That's like the second or third time you've mentioned something along these lines. No, no, no. I. It, it depends what it is. There's a clip of you last. Or I know, I know. The Kesha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's different. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, ne- next song on Zeppelin 2 here is the Lemon Song. So 
What do you got in this one? Because I got a couple different random facts here. The opening riff to this song is fire. Just great energy from Paige on guitar. Um, throughout the song, he does really, really good work as well. There's these like great clean solos throughout the song where they just like come in, come out, come in, come out um, between the verses. Um, good energy, good tempo here. Really, really cool deep cut. All right. Yeah. So fun fact number one, no electronic devices were used to create the echo on Plant's vo voice on this. It was made by the acoustics in the studio. That's pretty, pretty cool. fire. Yeah. Uh, fun fact number two, this was similar to a blues song called Halloween Wolf or sorry, Killing Floor by Halloween Wolf. Uh, and it was so similar that Wolf was eventually given a composer credit on the song. OK, that's cool. That's cool. And part of the song the song has a lot of sexual innuendos, kind of. And part of the song, it goes, squeeze me, baby, till the juice runs down my leg. Squeeze me, baby, till the juice runs down my leg. The way you squeeze my lemon, I'm going to fall right out of bed, 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 bed. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Groovy, baby. So this song w became so popular, people were, like, throwing lemons on, <laughs> on stage when Zeppelin was performing. And uh, there's this one site, this one website cottagemixtape.com that got an interview with Robert Plant and they kept asking him about the song and he ended up saying that those were the lemons weren't a metaphor they were actually lemons he said those were different times back in the 70s it was all about experimentation not just about musical musical experimentation but sexual experimentation as well oh god no it wouldn't wow. be it wouldn't be that crazy for any fruit or vegetable to make its way into our music or into the bedroom what adding that's what people seem to always get wrong the fish story is simply not true but yes there were lemons what would be the funniest fruit to just have in bed with you like a like i could see like a grape or a raspberry that makes sense to me but imagine somebody came in with like slices of cantaloupe or something <laughs> <laughs> the dude I, I the only thing that would make sense to me would be like strawberries but only if it's paired with like whipped cream but, but it's that same thing i i think robert plant was fucking with whoever did the interview i there's no <laughs> way that's real that right? would be awesome because listen he said that he was asked about this a million times in the 70s and yeah, he never yeah. said anything so then like how, you know he does an interview 30 years later 40 years later with some you know crappy website and he's finally going to tell them no way he's just he's just yanking their chain that's actually that would be fucking hilarious if that was actually the case it might very well be uh, that he's like, God, it was this, you said it was like mid 2010, something like that. Uh, I don't have a year, but it was, but it was for the, the website cottage mixtape.com. Okay, so, so yeah, it was clear, like clearly 2000s, you know, 2010. So he's like something, he's gotta be his 50s, 60s. And he's like, you know what? I've had so many fucking people ask me. I'm just tired of giving that same old answer. I'm going to tell him I had this chick squeezing lemon juice all <laughs> over me in bed. Right, like, come on. There's no, there's no way. Imagine that, that dude's face. He was just like dumbfounded, and Robert playing the back of his head's like this stupid fucker. <laughs> what could you possibly use a lemon for, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the, on, like you said, on the list of fruits that you would bring into the bedroom with you, if we did a draft right now, lemon would not be in the top ten. Cherries, strawberries, <laughs> blueberries, raspberries. Something. I'm not gonna get too deep into it, but it can't be that much bigger than any of those fruits. You know what I mean? It's gotta be a berry. Fucking lemon clown. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, though. I like that. No, that was uh, that was one of my favorite fun facts here. But yeah, uh, really good song. The next one, Thank You. Uh, one of the probably my least favorite on this album. It's not that bad, but it's not that good. Um, yeah, this is more of a, I mean, it, it is a love song. He, Plant, dedicated this to his wife at the time. Uh, this was the first Zeppelin song, too, that he wrote all the lyrics for. 
Oh, really? That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I see my understanding that they did a lot of the, the songwriting with them. Um, but that's well, pretty cool. So, yeah, him and Paige did a lot of it together. Right. But right. I do have a, a, a fun fact once we get to uh, Zeppelin 4 about, okay. about that, too. Cool. Yeah, it's just kind of a soft, mid-tempo, folky song. It's got that uh, choppy acoustic, like, folky guitar. Um, however, like, the acoustic does sound tuned up a little bit. Um, this sounds like they plugged in an acoustic. You know what I mean? Oh, right. A little bit. Uh, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. It just sounds like a little too loud to be a pure acoustic. Um, but it's cool nonetheless. But Yeah, it's a classic love song. If the sun refused to shine, I would still be loving you. When mountains crumble to the sea, there would still be you and me. Yeah, no, I mean, not bad, just not that great. Yeah. So then uh, it gets into Heartbreaker, which has an awesome opening guitar. Yeah, and so so Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Made are interesting because when you hear these songs on the radio, I think these two were released as a single um, together. So you'll often hear rock radio stations play these songs back-to-back um, or more or less as one. Um, there's, like a, there's like a moment at the end of Heartbreaker. It just takes a solid, like, quick beat and then goes right into Live and Love and Made. Um, so uh, real quick, on, on that, uh, that's part of the reason it was played together was – when like back when it was released people just thought it was like the same song because of that transition right right it's so close but uh no two different songs here heartbreaker kicks in with it a all-time classic riff yeah this song kicks ass good energy kind of like up to um, upbeat like a little bit fuzzy guitar it sounds just the slightest bit fuzzy but tuned down a little bit um Really, really good work from Plant here again, getting into his high range. Uh, classic Zeppelin track. Yeah, so Van Halen actually said about this song, this song specifically shaped his own technique. Like, it's a there's a style that yeah. uh, he's doing called tapping mm-hmm. that, you know, was largely popularized by Van Halen. Yeah, I was going to say, Eddie's uh, he's known for that kind of thing. That's how he gets the, like, that's how you get that hair metal sound a little bit. Like you've got, you can't be any faster on with on the guitar with your fingers than doing that. Yeah, and then the solo actually sounds, uh, it sounds kind of like unattached to the rest rest of the song. And the reason for that is because the uh, solo was recorded separately in a different studio at a higher pitch than the like the the rest of the song was recorded. I was thinking about that as I was listening uh, last week. I was like, it, the level just sounds the slightest bit different, um, and you really got to be paying attention to notice it. But that's an interesting note. Yeah, and that, like, dude, throughout their whole catalog, there's so many different like fun facts about how they recorded songs. Like, oh, the, yeah. I feel like these guys are just, uh, they're all just musical geniuses. And the fact that they play in different instruments, hey, let's try it recording it this way, let's record it that way. Why don't you do this and I'll do that? Like, just very uh, unusual. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I already, I already spoke on it earlier, so I won't say too much. But just legends, dude, creative as hell. Like. They're, they're coming up with the techniques that, that rock will use for the next 50 years after this. Yeah, exactly. Um, I should mention here because it's notable, um, and we haven't mentioned it yet, and that's a omission on my part. John Bonham on these, these two songs here is killing it. The drums are so loud, so clean, hit like right in tune. He's so good on these two songs. Yeah, for sure. Um, so unless you got anything else about Heartbreaker. Um, nope. Live and Love and Made. It's a different vibe. So, like I said, there's that one beat where it stops on Heartbreaker, and then it kicks into Live and Love and Made, uh, which is plant right off the top, like yelling again into the mic. Um, and it's got almost this, like, 
rolling guitar now, a little bit bluesier, um, same tune as the last song. Um, and they got like the group singing through the chorus here. Um, another classic track from Zeppelin. Yeah, so some of the lyrics here, alimony, alimony, paying your bills, living, loving, she's just a woman. When your conscience hits, you knock it back with pills. Living, loving, she's just a woman. This song is about a groupie who stalked the band early in their career. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Page said it was his least favorite Zeppelin song and that it was never performed in concert. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Like you only you think about them touring and you only have like you know, 16 songs. <laughs> That's like, almost a dick move in a way. Like, we're just not going to play this one. So many people go to the concert. And there's, there's bound to be so many people that are like, God, I hope I really, really hope they play this song. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But no, nah, I mean, this is this is a really, really fun song for me. Um, still a really good track on Zeppelin 2 here. Yeah, it was, it was decent. Uh, next one is classic, though. Yeah, this is different. So this is uh, tuning it down a little bit. Ramble on. Um, they they break out the acoustic again. Uh, kind of. Well, this, they're using both here. They got the acoustic and the electric. Um, bit of that stringy, strummy guitar to open it up. Um, page, not, not page, plant. Um, going through his whole range here. Low, high, middle, everything. Um, really, really good song here, too. Yeah, so this song is... It's about a journey, you know, like the protagonist is yeah, right. trying to find the queen of his dreams. Some of the lyrics, ramble on, and now's the time. The time is now. Sing my song. I'm going around the world. I got to find my girl on my way. I've been this way 10 years to the day. Ramble on. Got to find the queen of all my dreams. Uh, another part of the lyrics, this was throughout Zeppelin. There's a lot of like uh, Tolkien or like Lord of the Rings type references. Yeah, yeah. So in this song specifically, it goes, "'Twas in the darkest depths of Mordor, I met a girl so fair, but Gollum and the evil one crept up and slipped away with her." So that's, you know, one of the more obvious ones. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of them just having fun with it. Um, but it also helps with the story building, too. Um, we've already mentioned a few times they're, they've been happy to borrow from other people. And interesting that they're borrowing from Tolkien now. Well, it's funny, too, because of, like, obviously Lord of the Rings is, you know, so much it's more popular since they made the movies yeah absolutely like it's kind of brought back into right modern culture i no, guess 100 percent. but back when they made it i mean it was just another one of those books you know right uh and then this this fact i don't i don't know if this is true and maybe it's they said that they never performed it live from start to finish when the band was active i don't know if that means like with like the full entirety of like the recorded version of the song there, I, there's no way that yeah, that doesn't sound like it yeah. can be true. Unless they just kicked it into another song halfway through that they that, thought fit. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, a lot of artists do that when you go to see them. We talked about Green Day did that. Um, when they when they came to town last year, they did like a... Do you remember how weird that was? They did, I think it was Minority, and they stopped after like two minutes, played like three other songs, and came back to it. I don't like when bands do that. Yeah, I'll bet you don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, you got anything else on Ramble on? No. Yeah. This next song, another instrumental song, Moby Dick, really stood out to me. This is maybe their best in its instrumental on all four of these albums. It ain't much. Uh, Page comes out at the top and is hitting the bluesy guitar hard. Um, not super fast. It's kind of in this like mid-high tempo. Um, and then John Bonham takes over for like three minutes by himself through the rest of the song. 
He kills it going up and down in tempo, up and down in, in volume, hitting it all, all the way around. Really, really cool drum solo. And then with the last 10 seconds, Paige comes back in, rips a few licks, and calls it a day. <laughs> Dude, I was reading a lot of people consider this to be one of the greatest drum solos of all time. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, this is, this is an absolute must listen. Yeah, so this song in concert, they would normally play in excess of 10 minutes, up to sometimes up to 30 minutes. <laughs> so John Bonham would occasionally break his drumsticks halfway through playing this song from playing it too hard. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he would switch to playing with his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's a wild, wild move. And then even he would sometimes play his hands to the point of drawing blood. Which well, is that's what crazier. I was going to say, especially if you're going to go for these one of these long drawn out versions like. Dude, five minutes of, of patting your hands on the drums would be plenty for me to be like, all right, I've had enough. Well, so they they also said uh, the rest of the band would play the opening of the song and then leave the stage, and they'd let uh, you know Bonham play this in play this song for like ten to twenty minutes and catch their breath and then come back to the <laughs> stage. <laughs> hey, but hey guys, anybody need a shot? Are you guys doing good? Everybody good? Uh, John's shot, doing shot his thing. Shot in a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be a hilarious picture. There's got to be one or two of. Of them just smoking cigs on the side of the stage while John's going to work on this song. Oh, yeah. That would be electric. That uh, would be a great picture. <laughs> That'd be a good one to have, like, up in, like, the studio. Oh, dude. So good. But, uh, yeah, if if nothing else, this it's not the best song on the album. There's so many bangers on this album, but it's right up there, man. It's just so fucking good. Yeah. And then they close out Zeppelin Two with Bring It On Home. This is uh, Plant having fun with this one. So it was funny. When I Googled uh, Led Zeppelin, I'm, I was just looking around, you know, to see different things. When they show the, the band members just on, like, the top, top of Google, Robert Plant is listed as the harmonica player. Not the <laughs> singer. The harmonica player. That's a good one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyways, a uh, lot of harmonica in this song. Kicks off with the harmonica, and it's, it's prominent throughout. Um, breaks into this like bluesy rock song and then the harmonica kind of comes back at the end. Um, this is a really good track. Uh, classic like Jimmy Page riff here. Really solid ending to this album. Yeah, the opening of the song too has like the one of the most like, or at least from what my guitar instructor taught, taught me was like most classic like blues progressions. Like yeah. the now, 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 Yeah. Yeah, you've, if you've heard that once, you've heard it a million times. You just, yeah. I can't think of any examples right now, but I'm, Turn on rock radio for two hours and see what happens. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. It's classic. And this was another one influenced by a song of the same name recorded by Sonny Boy Williamson, written by Willie Dixon. Uh, the Dixon composition was so similar. Zeppelin eventually reached a settlement with Dixon over the royalties for the song and credited him, him as a writer uh, when it appeared on How the West Was Won live D- DVD. This is one of the ones where it kind of feels like, like plant very clearly like alters his voice at yeah for m- most of the song where it feels more like a tribute than like a yeah no and i think we'll talk about it again on the next album but hats off to roy harper is kind of the same thing um where he twists it on purpose to like make a point yeah um but yeah great way to end this album great album from zeppelin um and so that brings brings us to out of 1969 finally <laughs> zeppelin three Zeppelin 3, I think, is 71. 70. 70. So now now you're two years, three albums. This is a little different, though. Uh, so Zeppelin 3, it's probably generally regarded as the worst of the four first albums. Um, it's just different. It's got a lot more of that kind of folky vibe to it. Um, 
so Paige, what happened here is Paige and uh, Plant went off to this kind of like nondescript town up in Scotland, I think. Iceland. Iceland. Uh, Braniar. It's hard to pronounce. Yeah. Um, and just kind of banged out this album, figured it out, wrote it all, and then came back with the boys and finished uh, or did all the recordings and stuff. Um, still some hits on this album. I don't think it's bad. Of the four, I'll agree this is my least favorite. Yeah, there there are some songs on here I really like, though. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll kick that off with Immigrant Song. First song on the album. Even if you don't know this song, you know this song. I promise you know this song. Yeah. Uh, you've heard this in, in Thor Ragnarok. You've heard this in, <laughs> in, like, every commercial ever produced ever. Yeah, this was... Uh Who's in a Jeep or I think it was a Jeep or Chrysler commercial in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think I just saw it on TV a few days ago. No lie. Like it just it's been used over and over and over. Um, but well, the, op- the opening is so iconic. Yeah. So so Paige cracks in with another one of his iconic riffs up temp. Really, really up tempo. Um, kind of in this low tuned guitar, but not like super chunky. Um plant on this song is throwing his voice all around to the moon um way up he's just like kind of like in nondescriptly yelling around like the whole song basically um but then there's good verses throughout here um just a really really fun track yeah so this song is about vikings on a journey and that's like the opening of the song was like ah yeah obviously much better than that but uh the band played in in iceland uh which is the land of ice and snow. And that, you know, that's one of the opening lyrics and plant basically said about this song is like, we came from the land of ice and snow. Like we weren't being pompous. Like we were there, like we got inspired from this, from the, you know, that area. And that's why we made the song. Just two dudes sitting around in a cabin up in Iceland, smoking pot. Hey, you know, it'd be <laughs> a fun song. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Oh, and a uh, fun fact about this one to get permission to use this song in the movie school of rock. Jack Black videotaped himself singing in front of a huge crowd, uh, begging Led Zeppelin to let them use the song in the movie, and then they ended up sending it to him, and they finally got the song in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What a legend. Jack Black's such a legend, dude. I mean, between the acting and, like, the the music, we'll call them bits here and there, like, so, so talented. He uh, He's really funny, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he maybe doesn't. I don't know. Like, I feel like that guy should be a mega star. He's a star for sure. But like Jack Black could probably walk down the street in a lot of places that aren't like super big cities and be fairly unrecognized. (laughs) It's just another fat guy. Yeah. (laughs) He's just so nondescript. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He he is. uh, He's he's awesome. So many good movies. He's got the not Steely Dan. What the hell is his band called? Tenacious D. Tenacious D. Uh, Just a fun, fun dude. But yeah, anyways. Um, so that's Immigrant Song. You got anything else there? Nope. All righty. We'll uh, go to Friends is up next. It's kind of this like up-tempo folky song again. Um, I thought Paige, or not Paige, uh, Plant was really good on the mic here. Um, again, going through his whole range. But the song just kind of didn't stand out to me other than that. Yeah, this one I thought was a little bit better lyrically where, you know, in the song he's like, the greatest thing you can ever do now is trade a smile with someone who's blue now. And uh, he said he got he wrote this after getting a, a big fight with someone, and uh, he just kind of felt inspired by it, and that's kind of why he wrote the song. So it's got a good message. Yeah, I mean it's not a bad song. Uh, just I don't know it. There's a lot of songs in this album that kind of sounded the same to me, a little bit. This one just kind of falls into the mix for sure. 
But uh, yeah, so that's Friends Celebration Day. Um, I kind of like this one a little bit more. Up tempo, upbeat, fast electric guitar. Um, Plant's got that echoey vocal going on again here, um, which is a little weird. Like I don't quite. It's just a little off putting sometimes. Um, but there's also like a, there's cool sections of it, and there's other sections of it like uh, I don't know about that. Um, better song for sure. Do you get the vibe on this song that he sounds very similar to because we did this a couple of weeks ago, Jack White? In a su- couple of his songs? Yes, but I would say that the other way around. Well, well yeah, obviously. Like, ja- yeah. I know what you mean, though. Like, Jack White mean. sounds a little bit like Plant from here, but because and we did the White Stripes a couple weeks ago, yeah. It sounds similar, and obviously we talked about it a little bit then, but surely these guys were inspirations for him as well, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So, 100%, I can see that where White's throwing us around in a, or is throwing his voice in a similar way as uh, Plant here. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, um, good track here. Yeah, good song about being happy. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Since I've Been Loving You. Um, it's kind of this like sadder, mid-tempo uh, song. Uh, long song here. Really, really good range from Plant. Um, J- or, uh, Paige has this really sick solo about halfway through the song. Uh, good deep track here. Yeah, some people said that or one of the engineers for the song said this was the best rock guitar solo of all time that he had heard at the time. Uh, Jimmy Page did this solo in one take. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. <laughs> Jimmy Page. Which is wild. But yeah, this is a really good song. Another really good lyrically, I think, where some of the lines, working from 7 to 11 every night, it really makes life a drag. I don't think that's right. I've been really been, I've really been the best of fools. I did what I could, yeah, because I love you, baby. How I love you, darling. This is an, a really good song. You know what's cool about like being able to play those solos too is I th- I feel like there's a certain section of artists who could maybe do that but wouldn't necessarily want to put that on their album because then they have to go play it live and they're not as confident live as they are in the studio where they can take take after take after take and so it's like we've talked about artists where I'm saying like you're throttled you're throttled what are we doing but that like like Paige just has no fear whatsoever he could fuck up any of these solos. They're so like complex and long, but he's such a master. It, like other guys, just don't do shit like that sometimes. Yeah, that that is a good point about like, oh, I could put this in here, but I don't really want to be playing this, you know, four nights a week live in front of fifty thousand people. Like, I don't know if I can hit that every time. It's like uh, they would rather just like rip that off live without ever like anybody having heard it, and then the crowd's like, oh, dude, this sick solo in this song. Uh, he just like added it in. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. And if he fucks it up, he fucks it up, you know. But if you fuck it up after you put it on the album, uh, it's not going to get as much love from the crowd nearly. Yeah. And not saying that the Black Keys are by any means as talented on like the guitar as, as Zeppelin, but they do the similar in their songs where in the album they will put in those long instrumentals and solos and they do play it live. And it's it's cool to see. Really, really good. Yeah. And and no offense to any artist that we may may or may not say is not as musically gifted as Led Zeppelin because these guys are, again, savants for what they do. So yeah. it's, it's not much of a knock to say you're less talented than Led Zeppelin. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, since I've been loving you, you, got anything else? Nope. All righty. Next song, Out on the Tiles. Um, another one that just kind of like fell in the cracks for me a little bit. It's this upbeat kind of mid-high tempo song. Rain or playing up in this high range. They don't really like there's not a, a hard break between the verses and the chorus here, um, which stood out to me. And maybe that's that maybe that's part of the reason it's forgettable. It's just like it just plays the same way through the whole song. It's not 
too bad. It's just not too good either. Yeah, definitely one of the most forgettable ones. Uh, the only thing I have on this is the phrase out on the tiles. <laughs> John Bonham said it was a phrase meaning like going out to the bars. The tiles, a, a British term yeah. for going out on the town. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. But the next song I think is a lot better. Gallows Pole. I like this song a lot. This is very much full. This is another one of those like quest songs, kind of like immigrant song. Um, it's got this like folky stringy, like strummy vibe to it. Um, this like so this whole story is kind of like it's not funny, but it's a little funny when you get to the end. The whole story about this song, maybe I'll let you do it, but um, the whole time this guy's like he's going to the gallows to be hung, and he keeps calling people to like save him, to bring something, please save me, and uh, no matter what they bring, they just end up on the pole with him. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. There, there's actually a lot of different versions of the song, and a lot of yeah, them but- like at the ending like the guy ends up getting set free and this one he doesn't he the yeah the The hangman just hangs them all yeah the hangman (laughs) said he says at the end of the at the the zeppelin one he says your brother brought me silver your sister warmed my soul but now i laugh and pull so hard and see you swinging on the gallows pole right ends with him dying this is the only led zeppelin song to feature what instrument for 200 Oh, banjo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that vibe throughout. Uh, Jimmy Page wrote it on a banjo he borrowed from John Paul Jones. That's he fire. never played the banjo before. <laughs> of course he didn't. But he just picked it up and fucking strung it away. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is a cool song. He calls. Uh, let's see. He calls his brother. He calls his sister and he calls his friends and they bring gold, silver. And the, the sister gives herself. Yeah. The sister gives herself to the hangman and. None of them survive anyways. It's a fucking wild track. But it's also like it's such an upbeat feel to it, too. Like Plant's vocals on this, when they get to the choruses, where uh, Plant's just like, hang man, hang man. Like he's so good again here. It's such good energy to this song that could be like very well could be a somber song. But it, it, it's got quest vibes to it. It's upbeat. Yeah, I, li- I like the back half of this album a lot. Yeah, yeah. The front half is just all right, but I, I really like the back half. I think we asked the question about like albums that have a better second half than a first half during Kesha, so let's just chalk this one up in that category as well. Yeah, for sure. And then the next song is one of my favorites, Tangerine. Yeah, this is a cool, like slower co- acoustic track. Again, kind of folky. Got these strummy chords on it. Uh, pay or plant mostly in his lower range here. Um but then later on in the song, they throw in this like kind of random, quick electric solo on it. Um, another good like not ah, this is bordering deep cut, but yeah. So a couple fun facts here: Jimmy Page wrote this and recorded it actually well that he was still with the Yardbirds. Uh, this was the only song in the album where Plant didn't write any of the lyrics. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, and essentially the song is about and, and Plant would say this when opening up for for concert you say this song is about for our families and friends and people we've been close to it's a song of love at its most innocent stages yeah no for sure and the whole song is like it's essentially like you know i don't know 12 16 lines trying to count real quick yeah there ain't much to it no yeah it's not much to it but it's this is a it's It's just another really pleasant track to listen to pleasant check this one out for sure yeah, tangerine, tangerine, living reflection from a dream. I was her love, she was my queen, and now a thousand years between. So, really cool. Nice. That's the way up next. Um, this one blended in again to me. I 
kind of get that same. It, it's the same vibe as Tangerine, just doesn't execute. I don't know. It was fine, just not that great. Yeah. Uh, the song itself, kind of unique. It's about two boys who used to play together, and then one of the boys' mother says, like, you, you can't play with him anymore. And Yeah. Uh, she's kind of judgmental, and they say, like, some of the lyrics in the song, it's, you know, he's got longer hair, he's from the darker side of town. Uh, I don't know, that, you know, if there's any kind of, like, physical attraction between the boys, but basically they have to end their relationship because of the one boy's mom. Yeah. Um, let's Man. see. I guess, it, and some people were saying, like, as the storyteller grows up, he realizes that you just don't have time to be a dreamer in life you have to accept things that change uh the song kind of closes out with some of the lyrics the you know the flowers die the river gets polluted you just can't cry about it you have to have to do something yeah, just move on and that's what the other kid doesn't understand yep sorry i had a lot of notes on that i was trying to <laughs> get them all together all my bad yeah. you're good you're good uh yeah so you give it a go i already tried once Bronier or uh, stomp <laughs> That's probably about as good as I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got this like faster acoustic, almost campfirey kind of like sing song, not sing song, but like sing along song to feel to it. Um, they got that like the background vocals working here again. I, I can't really tell if that's plant or if that's the group singing behind him. Um, but that's what it's got. It's got this like clap along beat to it, too. And so that's that's always what gives me like a sing along vibe is when you hear the clap beat in the back to it. Um I don't know. It's good. It's yeah, good. It's, it's it's all right. This was about Plant's dog Strider. Yeah, yeah. So, saw that too. Uh, last song on Z three here is "Hats Off to Roy Harper," which you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. So aside from uh, borrowing from other artists, we'll, we'll continue to use that term. Uh, this is actually an homage to a kind of uh, local legend, Roy Harper. Um, by local, I mean amongst uh, British rock artists back in the 60s. Um, he's got this kind of like unique finger style to him um, that he's known for. Long and lengthy like solos. Um, this like blues player. Um, so that's uh, not necessarily what the song's about, but a bit of an homage here. Um, strange slide guitar to me. It, there's like that's why I thought this song had the, the violin. Uh, oh, thing. OK. Yeah. Because the guitar, it, it's super slidey. Um, Mid-high tempo. Vocals are like, it, it almost sounds like he's singing like into a pillow or something a little bit. It's like oddly muted. It's a cool track. Again, not one of my favorites, but there's a lot of cool things to it. Um, notable, for sure. Yeah. My only tidbit here was Harper didn't know that Zeppelin made the song until he picked up a copy of the album from Zeppelin's office. And Jimmy Page had to tell him three different times to look at the, the track list before he finally realized <laughs> that, you know, they were paying homage to him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. And that closes out Zeppelin 3. So, like I said, uh, there's some good tracks here. Definitely, like, touch on a few of these. If you didn't want to listen top to bottom, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. So... Not long after, in 1971, uh, Zeppelin's fourth album comes out. And this is another banger. Uh, this Zeppelin 4 and Zeppelin 2 can go head-to-head fucking 12 rounds, dog. Yeah, I, I think I probably like 4 a little bit better, but yeah. eight Only 8 tracks. Eight, 8 bangers. 8 bangers. Top to bottom here. No miss. 
Um, and it kicks off with Black Dog. Black Dog, just this super high energy, uh, fun track. Like, Plant hitting the vocals right off the top again. Hey, hey, mom, is that way? Uh, just a really great energy track right off the start for Zeppelin Four. Yeah, and this is what I mentioned earlier where the title has nothing to do with the song. The nothing. song's about a girl that's no good for you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> They named it Black Dog. Spent my money, took my car, started telling her friend she's going to be a star. I don't know, but I've been told a big-legged woman ain't got no soul. Yeah, and then, like, in between the verses, like, Paige just kicking in a little lick and then getting right out, letting uh, Plant do his work again. Kicking in, out. Yeah, really this cool is cool back and forth. Great way to open the album. Follows that up with rock and roll. Um it's just this up-tempo, really fun, kind of, like, bluesy track. Um, Plant again in his high range here. Really good energy. Almost yelling into the mic again. Back-to-back um, -back bangers. Yeah, so Plant wrote the lyrics in response to critics who claimed that Zeppelin three wasn't rock enough. Yeah. So he kind of wrote it as, like, a, you know, like a fuck, fuck you. Like you. Yeah. Name the song <laughs> Rock and Roll. And <laughs> some of the lyrics, it's been a long time since I rock and rolled. It's been a long time since I did the stroll. Ooh, let me get it back. Let me get it back. Let me get it back, baby, where I come from. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that guitar, this, uh, different from the last song, the guitar through this song just bangs the whole way through. There's a really cool, like, kind of old school bluesy uh, solo towards the end of this song. Uh, just, it, it's really, really fun. Yeah, two for two. The Battle of Evermore is exactly what the people who don't didn't like Zeppelin three bitched about. But this is actually a really, really good way of doing it, though. Um, a bit of a longer acoustic kind of like up tempo folky song. Um, great work from uh, playing on the vocals here again, kind of in that high range, like up and down. Um, I even think Paige on this song is pretty good, too. Like it, it doesn't stand out quite like the, the hard rock songs they do, but just that like. He, he, the music fits the the lyrics here so well. This is another one of those like uh, adventure quest songs. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. The so Plant wrote this after reading a book on Scottish history. The lyrics are about the everlasting battle between day and night. You know, good and evil. Yeah, this is the only Zeppelin song ever recorded with a guest vocalist. Oh, I didn't know that. Who's on vocals here? Uh, Sandy Denny from Fairport Convention. Um, her vocals represent the people as the town crier in like the song. Okay. Gotcha, whereas gotcha. plans like the narrator. I see. Uh, so I guess she was part of, a, that's a British folk group that they shared a, a bill with back in the seventies. Nice. Nice. And then, yeah, another Lord of the ring reference. They say, uh, in the song, the queen, the queen of light took her bow and then she turned to go. The Prince of peace embraced the gloom and walked the night alone. The queen of light is Gladriel and the Prince of peace is Frodo. Uh, yeah, I was never a big Lord of the Rings guy. I, like, I've seen bits and pieces. I don't got a problem with it. I just never got really got into it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's it's cool. Like I said, it's cool because of how cool Lord of the Rings yeah, is yeah. now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, I've been saving for this for a while. We talked about it a lot today. Stairway to Heaven. Eight-minute ballad? Question mark? I don't know. I just know this is it's more than a, a classic rock song. It's a mystical journey, if you will. Another mystical journey. Um, just slow, plucky notes kind of leading you up and up and up in energy. It's what many kids have, you know, <laughs> smoked to. It's it, it's what you, you question life when you listen to this song. Yeah. Yeah. They there's a six so like low key six solo towards the end of this song. 
Um, once they kind of like pick it up out of this low range, um, they hit the like the high point of the energy. Plants losing his mind on the mic, and then Page kicks in the six solo at the end, um, and then it, it really does a good job of coming back down to the bottom of the energy as well at the end of the song, where you just kind of hear Plants' voice kind of like trail off the mic a little bit. Oh, it makes me wonder. <laughs> yeah. This is so fucking good. So we've been talking about this pretty much the whole episode now. This is maybe their most famous court battle that this song has been also accused of plagiarism. Yeah, so accused of plagiarism from Taurus uh, by Spirit. Yeah, right. I don't know if I had that mix between the artist and song, but some combination of Spirit and Taurus. No, so the the song is Taurus. Okay. Uh, the artist is Spirit. And the, the guy suing is a trustee of the the estate of this band so not even the band the trustee of the of the estate which is also a pussy move um but anyways Dude, yeah so on 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 the so they're, they're saying that he stole the like the opening riff which let me just play it for a second yeah and in fairness this opening riff is so simple i mean it's so elegant but it's so simple So this is what I kind of wanted to have a little discussion with you about in terms of like people suing people for stealing music and like copyright, like that guitar riff, it's, it's nothing crazy. It's just, you know, going, right. It's like a, like, I I guess I don't get like, how can you own like that progression of, of notes, you know? Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like they just straight up scammed the song either. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a cover song. It's. An original song played over bits and pieces of other music, if you want to say that. Now, technically, in the eyes of the law, this is an original song in and of itself. But if you know, there will be there are people who will argue that this is a, a ripoff of an old song. Right, but th- I mean, this is eight minutes. There's so much more musically than just that little part of it. Right, and so wouldn't like obviously you don't want people ripping off your shit, and there needs to be some kind of uh, copyright enforcement for people who do. I don't think taking a little bit of a of a lick and using it in your your song is necessarily stealing your song. I agree. It, it, if anything, it should be an honor that Led Zeppelin would want to like take a bit of your lick and use it. But also, fun fact: musical artists have been stealing from each other and using old bits that have already been created since the beginning of time, dog. Well, not only that, but it's just like if. Like if I if I play a G chord and a C chord and D chord and I strum it like a certain pattern, like that's been done in a hundred different like three hundred different songs. That's what I'm trying to get at, right? Like, it's it, not unique to yourself, right? And at what point does it become like? Say you do actually have a unique uh, like chord progression. At what point, like of people playing that same chord progression, does it become like public domain? You know what I'm right. saying? Right. And and yes, there's you know I don't know what the number of how many million billion combinations of guitar things you can do because of you know there's I mean, how yeah, many frets there are right, and everything right. but of course like stuff's going to sound similar it's going to sound similar it's going to come up over and over especially with, like when you have progressions like that that are so like they're so perfect it's just going to happen yeah now whether or not you're saying they deliberately heard what you did took it put it in their song i guess is a different thing and even if they did like they're not stealing your shit Right, it's, it's just it's, it's just part of it. Yeah, it's just part of a song. So, yeah, no, I, I'm not a huge fan of that law. Um, I get why it exists, but I, I think it's 
been loosely used to attack famous artists for a long time over fairly petty or um, let's call it weak arguments just to get a cash grab here and there, you know? Yeah, but going back to the song, because the song is a masterpiece. After, so Plant wrote the lyrics for this song. He said, like, something just came over him and he started writing. And after this, that was when uh, Paige was like, all right, like, you're writing all the lyrics from now on. <laughs> yeah, game over. You Oh, right to you now. Yeah, that's sick, man. It, and, it's, it's so good. Yeah, and about the song, like, people asked Plant a million times in the 70s, like, what the, you know, what the, like, what does it mean? What, are the, what do lyrics mean? And and he said, he's like, even though I wrote it myself, he's like, depending on the day, I still interpret it in different ways. You know what's interesting about that? I've, I've seen, like, uh, book writers, authors talk about that where it's interesting to even ask a writer, like, what your muse means, whatever your, your art is. What does that mean? It really only means, like, a lot of artists will tell you, like, my art means whatever you think it means or something along those lines where like if you take it a certain way sure it means that if i take if if i write something with a specific intention uh then it means that to me but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to everybody else which is fine that's part of what art like cool about art um so it seems like a bit of a silly question to me but i get like you know writers got to get hits on their fucking stuff too so yeah um but, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on here. Really, really cool song. Yeah, and the song... So let me just read some of the lyrics, and then maybe we can kind of talk what it's about a little bit, or what we think. Sure. Uh, so there's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. When she gets there, she knows if the stores are all closed, with a word, she can get what she came for. Ooh, ooh, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. And then another part of the song, there's a feeling I get when I look to the west, and my spirit is crying for leaving. And my thoughts I have seen rings of smoke through the trees and the voices of those who stand looking. Ooh, it makes me wonder. Ooh, it really makes me wonder. Y- yeah, I, I get a little bit of the, uh, how do I put this? Like the, uh, give me a second to think on this for a second. Go ahead. But Yeah, so there, I, I, there's kind of like two parts. The first being the lady in the beginning who's trying to, by the stairway to heaven essentially saying like uh you know being materialistic is is not the right way to go about living life and then when it kicks to the other person who's who's saying you know there's a feeling i get when i look to the west my spirit is crying for leaving and they're kind of trying to you know go on their own adventure and uh again just that being super materialistic is is not the way to go about living life yeah i almost i almost get a vibe that like she's they say deliberately a few times um, she's buying the stairway to heaven. She's like actively doing it. Um, but there's a vibe. Um, okay. He says right here, Ooh, it really makes me wonder. And it's whispered that soon, if we all call the tune, then the piper will lead us to reason. Um, and so there's a bit of like a, uh, not buyer's remorse here, but a bit of like a, a, a poignant note that like, this is not the way to go and the piper's coming for you. Yeah. Um, and so again, there's a lot of different ways to take this, but, and there's a lot of cool, like, again, questy, like motif all in here too. Um, but yeah, no, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, it feels like a, a call against consumerism or whatever, what have it. So yeah, uh, really cool way of putting it though. Great, great song, great lyrics, great vocals, great everything. One of the best songs we probably talked about. 
God, we had so many. I we'll so yeah, we'll we'll we do the, have to get into it. Yeah, okay. Um, next song, Misty Mountain Hop. Back to the high energy, like classic blues stuff here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you'll go ahead. I was gonna say the story on this song. It's about an incident where Robert Plant was uh, held a couple hours in police custody for loitering after dark in this park called Hyde Park. Uh, based on some of the lyrics in the song and and just like the general consensus of the story, people speculate that he was out for a walk, ran into some flower children who asked if he wanted, you know, Mary Jane or LSD or something. And, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why, like in the song, <laughs> he goes, you know, um. I didn't notice, but it had got very dark, and I was really out of my mind. <laughs> Trips hitting. Uh, yeah, no, this is just a really cool song. Good energy here. Um, great work from Plan Again, getting through his range. Um, fun, like, low-tuned guitar here. Just, like, it, it's kind of another classic riff. Just Like, I feel like I've heard that in, a, like, different keys and whatnot a million times, too. It kind of gave me Beatles vibes a little bit. Yeah, it's got that vibe. And the, the chorus breaks from that, I think. But the verses very much feel like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so maybe a deeper cut off this album, but really fun song. Yeah. The next song is Four Sticks. Uh, I got the name of this song because John Bonham played it with four drumsticks, two in each hand. He only recorded two takes of the song because, as Jimmy Page said, it was physically impossible for him to do another. That's a sicko move, dude, but he's electric on this song. Uh, yeah, this is kind of back in that mid-tempo stuff. Um, little electric, little acoustic here. Uh, still fantastic work from uh, Plant again on the vo- on the vocals. Uh, another hit. This was another one that they, it's, it was said they only played this once. Uh, especially, I mean, if he's playing with two drumsticks in his say. hand, like, I get it. We we made the point earlier about uh, Paige not being afraid to play his solos live. This, however, might have like pushed the envelope a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool, though. Yeah, the next song is Going to California. Less of a mystical vibe, but still an adventure song. Uh, yeah. Slower, but it's got, like, uh, so we'll say the vocals are slower, but there's still that, like, upbeat, strummy guitar acoustic on this song. Um little bit more not muted but uh even keel from plant on the vocals here um long ass song this is like seven and a half here um yeah we i should have put the the song times in in my notes too just (laughs) i mean just off the top i know uh like battle of evermore is like five or six minutes stairway to heaven's like eight minutes uh going to california is no sorry sorry this one's shorter than i thought it's only three and a half but oh one of the shortest ones yeah was it four sticks then? Oh, four sticks is like four and a quarter, three quarters, something like that. But, um, man, I remember that song being longer. Anyways, uh, but, yeah, just easy, a little bit e- more easy going. Um, kind of like almost like sweet, sweetly singing into the mic a little bit. Yeah. Like he's talking to a lover or something. Well, yeah, so it's about uh, he's leaving like an, his no good right, woman or whatever right. to have a fresh start in California. Yeah. Um, but another good track here. Check this one out for sure. Yeah. So... What we got last yeah last when, song is when the levee breaks um another sl- low we'll say lower track here um super bluesy um pretty easy going did they i think they kick in the harmonica a little bit here again um could be mistaken um 
again, lower range, lower level from plant on the mic here. Um, but this one, I think this might be the long song I was looking for. In the yes, th- seven minutes. Okay. This was another one. They only performed live twice. I guess this was a, a nightmare to mix in the studio. So it's yeah. like it, hard to replicate that sound on stage. Yeah, there's kind of a lot going on with Paige and Bonham here. Or I'm sorry, not Paige and Bonham. Paige and John Paul Jones. Um, I could see how that would be a pain in the ass to do. Yeah, and the the song itself, the lyrics of the song were written by Memphis Minnie in 1927, uh, based on the Great Mississippi Flood in 1927. So the the story of the song is uh, African American plantation workers were forced to work on the levee at gunpoint, piling sandbags to save the neighboring towns. Hence the lyrics: "I work on the levee, Mama, both night and day. I work so hard to keep the water away." Uh, and then after the levee breach, the black people were not allowed to leave the area and were forced to work in the relief and cleanup effort, living in camps with limited access to supplies, which were coming in. Um, so, yeah, just a, a sad story. And I wonder if this was inspired by, like, black blues musicians, too. You know what I'm saying? I could see like that. Like, we've, we've talked so much about how they've taken bits and pieces and uh, borrowed them from other blues yeah. artists. I could totally see how this would, like, fall right in line with that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. But, uh, yeah, another hit, and that, and that closes out the album. 42 minutes for eight songs. So, yeah, definitely some big ones in there, but really just a fire, fire album. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that wraps up part one here. I mean, I, we went pretty long for what I thought yeah, we were going to do. Yeah, four albums, no doubt. Um, I have another random uh, thought bubble, but I'll save it for next next time. Okay, yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, let's do rankings and everything next week when we finish up. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all we got today, I think. Yeah. So thanks for listening. All that good stuff. Check us out on socials, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Flip the record. uh, Like, share, subscribe, review. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Part two next week.